top 10 hit that song. I don't know. <laughs> like, what on earth is going on? This is lobby day, apparently. There are seven different things you can sign up in the lobby. Uh, there's actually another one. If you, We're putting our directory. We're updating it. It hasn't been updated since 2020. So uh, if uh, you'd like to be added to the directory, if you're if you started here since 19, uh, I mean 1920, uh, since like 2020, then uh, there's also that to sign up. So go to the table. There's like five tables and there's two on each table of things you can fill out in the lobby. So uh, what a blessing. Um, I, I'm really thankful for our praise band. I, I know a lot of times people say thanks to their praise band in service, but I don't know if we do it enough. So thank you, praise band. I literally had a nightmare last night where uh, like the praise band didn't come and uh, Jerry had asked some lady to do it, but she didn't prepare. So she was playing a song on her phone, but it wasn't even like over the PA system. So we had to like try to listen to like, she was playing a YouTube praise song and we were trying to like sing along to it. And I like, that's past her nightmare, you know? Uh, so, so I came and I was like, so thankful that Jerry showed up. And he was a little late. Actually, I got worried. So but I was like, oh my gosh, I was so glad you're there. Uh, so thank you, Praise Ben, and, and today was really enjoyable. I, there's always Jerry singing, and then one of the lovely ladies singing, and I'm the third singer, uh, at least in my head, right? And today I was like, I was, sing I was singing really well today. And then I looked over at Cameron was singing, so I was like, dang it. I thought I was like, I thought I finally got it, you know? I was like, oh man, I'm going to record an album. Um, so glad you guys are here. Thanks for joining us this Sunday. Uh, let's do some shouts uh, or some declarations because you guys don't really shout that much. So let's declare some things together. Uh, what do we do as a church? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. All right, we're in this uh, Lost Lessons where we've been talking about lessons we can learn while the Israelites were lost in the wilderness. And uh, we've learned several. And today's lesson we're going to be talking about is don't do it alone. Life was never meant to be done alone. To do ministry or work or exist, it was never meant to be alone. We are designed for people, and we need people to be the best that we can possibly be. And so the second part of our mission statement, uh, to love others, has to be an actuality, not just a mantra that we say on Sundays. It, ha it has to be lived out because that's the way that God designed us, to live out love with one another, with people all around us. God designed us to have success together. And that's the title of today's message, Success Together. And so today we're going to see uh, this lesson that success comes together in an interaction that Moses had with his father-in-law named Jethro while he was in the wilderness. Now, in this interaction, I want you to notice two things. I want, we're just going to see two things in this passage, in this interaction. The first is going to be that success together is found in having people who are better than you in your life to help you, or sometimes we call them mentors or, or guides or, or people who can pour into you wisdom. So that, that's the first success together. There's a, you have to have a together relationship where there's other people who know more than you who help you along in life. And the second success together we're going to look for as we look in the interaction between Jethro and uh, Moses is success together is found by having other people help us. And so we'll just call that helpers. So in mentors and helpers, that's what we're looking at in success together today. And so those two categories of together, mentor and helper, made Moses a more successful leader as a leader of God's people, but also made him a more successful person as a follower of God. And so let's see that, uh, the first part here, the mentorship, uh, which is going to be reciprocal. Sometimes we think mentorship is only a one-way, 
But I think mentorship has to have uh, a little bit of both ways. Both persons have to trust, both persons have to invest, and both persons have to learn from one another, even in a mentor relationship. So we're going to see that uh, first as we jump into this passage. So uh, I'm going to pop in and out of this passage. It's a fairly long passage. So uh, if you have your paper Bible, keep your thumb or your finger in there. Don't close it. Um, if you have your app online, keep that open. Uh, and if you're just looking at the screens, well, keep looking back up and forth. So. Um, because we're going to go back and forth between verse and comment in this long section. So we're going to be looking, our main text is in Exodus chapter 18. So if you need to find that on your phone, or of course all the verses are always up here, but sometimes it's good to mark them in our phones or mark them in your paper Bibles, however you work. All right, so this is a, in Exodus chapter 18. So the first part we're looking for, so I want you guys to be able to see it as I see it, as we're walking through here, we're going to look for uh, Jethro's mentorship or that mentorship relationship between Moses and Jethro. Okay, so here we go. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' son and wife, he came to them in the wilderness. So Jethro had the wife and the kids, and they, they came to where Moses was, where he was camped near the mountain of God, uh, Mount Sinai. Jethro had sent word to him, and he said ahead of time, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to see you with your wife and your sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and then he bows down to him. And so here's the first thing we see in this relationship. Moses goes out to him, and the very first thing he does is he bows down to them. Now, this is a somewhat customary greeting. Uh, it's not sort of Japanese bow or a Korean bow, uh, but, but it, it was an on-the-ground bow, and this is something you would do to someone who you thought was greater or better than you. And so you've you got to have people who you respect as mentors in life, people who are uh, respect-worthy. That's the first thing we see, that Moses is like, Moses doesn't bow down to everybody. In fact, most he doesn't. He's like the leader of other people, you know? And so, but this is someone who he comes and he respects. And, and Jethro doesn't demand respect, but he's a person who is worthy of respect. And then it says he, he bowed down to him and he kissed him. So it's not an emotionless relationship. There's connection here. There's affection in their love. And yes, that's part of the culture, how you would greet someone, but you wouldn't greet an enemy that way. You wouldn't greet someone who you dislike that way. This is a, a friendly greeting that, that someone would give someone that they respect. And so right off the bat, we see Moses saying, I respect you. I, I care about you. I have an affectionate relationship with you. In fact, I have love between us. And then look at the next part. Don't pass by it too fast. They greeted each other other. So it wasn't just Moses saying like, oh, you're the man, oh, I'll give my respect or whatever, but they greeted one another. Moses received greeting back from him and Jethro to him. Mutual love, not just a one-way relationship, but a reciprocal relationship. And then they went into the tent and Moses told his father-in-law about everything that the Lord had done. So he's open here. He's sharing with the things that God is doing. He's sharing the life details. All the good stuff that was God, God was doing, he starts to share about that. So uh, sharing about everything the Lord had done uh, to the Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. And, so he shared all the good things, and he shared about the hardships. See, he was open with difficult things as well. Togetherness shares both. Get that? Togetherness shares both, not just one. And I want to be careful, church, that we don't get caught up in the idea that on Sunday or our Christian relationships, we only share one. That we only share the good things that are going on, sort of like a, a live version of Facebook where we just present the good things, 
but we don't tell people about the struggles or the difficulties or the problems or the, or the fights that we had or the, the, the internal pain that we're dealing with or just the discouragement or all these other things. We just don't share them because we don't want to be a burnout on church or we don't want to like pull other people down or whatever reason you have. I just want to look good or whatever. But you can't have it together if you only have the one side. If you only share the good things that are going on, that's not together. That's just you flossing. It's just you trying to front. It's just you putting on a face to impress people. But there's no together in that. That's just you. Together has to have both, the good and the bad. And we, have to have, and we, and we see this in Moses, and we have to have it in our lives. Moses shares all the good things God is doing, and he shares all the difficulties. He says, oh man, but I'm not nailing this. And this is the, the leader of the people, the top-notch guy. And he, he's open to Jethro, and he says, I am not nailing this. I am screwing up here. I'm messing up here. I'm discouraged here. I, I thought God was going to band us here. I, I, I'm not sure if the cloud of fire is going to show up tomorrow. You know, like, he said, I didn't know if the praise leader was going to come today or not. You know, like all this kind of stuff he worries about, too, and he shares it. He's sharing about all the hardships that they had met along the way. And he shares, even as he had met those hardships, how the Lord had saved them. He shared the spiritual triumphs. And, they, and he glorifies God in the process of his sharing. So he's not just sharing to vent. He's sharing to say, like, even in the middle of this, God is glorified. See, God is part of this mental relationship. God is part of this together relationship. It's not just share so I can feel better. It's share so that God can be involved and God can even be glorified as he provided through the difficult things, as he provided in the great things. So sharing spiritual triumphs, glorifying God in the process. And then Jethro, his response was, Jethro was delighted. He was delighted. He was glad for his success. He's not envious. He's not rivalrous. He's not like, oh, yeah, I could have done it better. Or like, blah, blah, blah. He genuinely cares about Moses, and he's happy and joyful and delighted when Moses is having success. So Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things that the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. And then Jethro says, like, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and the Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. So he agrees spiritually with him. So he says, I'm recognizing that you're telling me that God did this and I'm coming alongside that confession with you because I agree with you. I'm spiritually in alignment with you. I think that God was doing these things. And I recognize that. And I think this is really important for Christians. We have mentors sometimes outside of our Christian lives. Like you may have a work mentor or something like that. And that's fantastic. But what I'm talking about is having people who are spiritually on the same page. And sometimes that's, you get both in the same. You have a boss who's a believer also. And they'll pray with you and stuff. That's fantastic if they can mentor you in work-wise and spiritually. But, but I'm focusing or keying in here that we see Jethro agreeing with him spiritually. They're on the spiritual same page. That's not to say that they agree on everything, but it is to say that there is someone who has the same foundation as him, as his mentor, as someone who's investing in Moses. Uh, and, and that's necessary in order to have effective togetherness in the life of a believer. Believers have to be attached to other believers. That's why in the New Testament there's that passage, you know, uh, don't be yoked with a non-believer. That's not a marriage passage, believe it or not. It's actually a general passage for people who are trying to pull the, the weight of God's uh, ministry, uh, for people who are pulling in God's direction. Be connected to people who are like-minded with you. 
And so then he says, uh, Jethro goes on and says, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. So not only on the same page, then they take it a step further. They together have a worship to God. They together say like, okay, let's, let's, let's pause for a second and pray. Let's pause for a second. In the middle of like, you just sharing this, I'm talking this way, having a meeting, you, uh, you haven't seen your wife and your daughter and your kids yet? He said, but, but let's pause in this time we're not, we're just sharing and let's worship God together. They offer sacrifices and they, and they worship together. What a powerful piece of mentoring and togetherness to worship together. God at the center Together, eyes on him. That's a powerful, powerful piece. And then, and then after this, Aaron came with the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. Yes, togetherness needs to have food involved. You can't have good togetherness if you don't have food. You know, that's true in every culture all over the place. It's true in Jesus' life. It's true in Moses' life. It's true all of the time. Food is this uh, wonderful binder, and so uh, if you like food and you like enjoying food with people, fantastic. What a spiritual, amazing, God-given gift of togetherness. And so he has this meal with them. And then the next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. And when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he says, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge, while all these people stand around you from morning till evening. So here's, here's Jethro. Now, he observes, he doesn't just jump to any conclusion, he observes Moses' day. He asks some good questions, like, what's going on here? Why is this this way? He knows his life situation, or he's getting to know his life situation before he says anything. Now, Moses answered him, he said, well, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. And look at what Moses' father-in-law says. So Moses says, like, here's why I'm doing it. He explains it. And Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. Well, what do you mean not good? I'm deciding between God and God's favor for these people's problem. How's that not good? Now, this is an honest assessment. It is a fairly open rebuke. What you're doing is not good. I don't know if you can be any more plain than that. Truth is given even when it's hard to say and probably hard to hear. Who tells Moses this? He's Moses like, Red Sea part. Manna come. Water come out of the rock. And then Jethro's like, hey, that's not good what you're doing, man. Like, what's my response? Who are you? You can't tell me nothing, you know. Like, uh, no, that's not Moses's, but that, that would be probably mine. He said, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. So it's not, the, the work isn't bad. That's not the bad part. The, the part is he's doing too much. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. So he's looked, he's observed, he's watched, he's asked questions, he's found out the reason, and then he says, let me share with you some of the life wisdom that I have. Now, I'm not giving him advice on everything. He says, this area that I said was not good, let me give you some advice on that. And then he says, may God be with you. And the point of the advice isn't for his own benefit or to, to, to look powerful or be able to like, oh, let me show you Moses, but rather to bring God's favor, to get 
to get Moses on God's path, to focus on God's movement. So he says, the good part you're doing is, he said, you must be the representative before God. So that, that's the good part. You've got to be that. And bring their disputes to God or to him. But, but you've got to also teach them decrees and instructions and, and show them the way they are to live and the, how they are to behave. And so he says, here, God, Moses, here's your big objective. And you're getting lost from the big objective by doing all these small judgment things. So your job is to teach and to guide and to lead these people, but you're getting bogged down by this other stuff and it's going to wear you out. He doesn't say, what you're doing is wrong and then offer no solution. Right? Those are the worst kind of togethers that just say no to all your ideas or say no like, oh yeah, yeah this is messed up or oh yeah, you're, you're screwing up or oh, you're not very good at this. Those are the worst kind of togethers if they offer no solution or no help, but he offers a thoughtful solution and a reasonable one. And he affirms his gifts and calling. He says, Moses, you are gifted. You are called by God. You are supposed to be doing things. God is with you in this. There's just this one tweak that you need to make so that you don't wear yourself out. And here's what he says. He says, what you need to do is you need to select capable men from the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, and, and who hate dishonest gain. And you've got to appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as the judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases that they can decide for themselves. That'll make your load lighter because they will share it with you. See, shared loads are lighter loads. It's just physics. <laughs> but it's also spiritual physics. And it's also emotional physics. Shared burdens are lighter burdens. And then he says, if you do this, and God so commands it, then you'll be able to stand the strain. And all these people will go home satisfied. So he says, I'm looking out for you, Moses, and for your people who you love. If you do it this way, just this, this tweak, just add this little thing. I affirm your calling. I see what you're doing is good, but there's this one piece that you're doing is not good. Just make this change, and you'll be able to handle this strain. You'll be able to continue to serve as God's person. Now, the next verse says this in Exodus 18 and 24. Moses listened to his father-in-law and he did everything he said. This is incredible. Willingness to listen to someone else's advice and to actually follow it. How hard is this for many of us? Man, our wives are really good at giving advice, right? Are we good at taking it and then uh, doing it? Or vice versa, maybe your husband is great at telling you stuff. But we're not always. What do we? We're almost always resistant. Someone gives me advice. I'm, I'm going to do that one because don't tell me what to do. You know, don't you know who I am? I'm so cool. You know, right? In our own head, um, even with good advice, we know it's good advice. We trust the person; they're godly. But what? We're like, no, I'm going to do it my way anyway. Right? <laughs> like, this really smart person, and they're good advice, and they love you, and they care about you, but. No, 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 I'm doing this way that I wanted to do it. I just, I just want to do it my way. And then don't ask for the advice, you know. Like, this is my kids do that all the time. Dad, what should I do here? Tell them. And they don't do it. I'm like, well, don't ask then. Why are you asking me for my advice? I spent all this time. Think about it. Give you advice. And then you don't even listen. Like, not even ever. Like, at least one out of five listen. Like, sometimes. But nope. But that's sort of how we are. So I'm, I'm amazed that Moses took it all in. And he is a humble enough man and godly enough to say, you know what? I, I see that. And I'm going to actually do the thing. That, that this person that I trust has advised me to do. 
There's a proverb that affirms this same idea. Proverb 19, Solomon wrote this one. He said, listen to advice and accept discipline. At the end, you'll be accounted among the wise. So it's no good to have mentors if you don't ever listen to them. So what an incredible picture of togetherness Moses and Jethro are. Togetherness that brings about success. Togetherness in this sort of mentorship relationship, but a reciprocal one, not sort of a, a top-down only one. He's sharing and listening. He's, he's being together with him. And this is exactly one of the lessons that God wants us to learn from this passage uh, this morning, to receive mentorship from a few people, but to also see ourselves in the flip side so that we can become people who will then care about, ask good questions, prayerfully join someone, worship and eat together with another person. See, God asked us to do both sides of this coin this morning. So, I don't know, usually when we listen to a passage, you're one of the two, right? How many of you guys were uh, the Jethro giving the advice? Or how many of you were the, men, the one needing the advice? Like, we kind of see ourselves in one of the two positions. But God wants to remind you that you should be in both of those positions, even if you're a young person. I know we have some junior hires in here. Uh, even if you're a junior hire, God wants you to care for, pray for, uh, bring us a, a candy or a donut for one of our younger people. God wants that in your life as well. So you practice being a mentor and a caregiver as well as receive it from those that are older than you. So let's move on. So that's our first uh, area of success of together comes in this mentorship kind of relationship. And I don't, the, I like the word mentor normally, but I'm not sure it totally fits here. It was probably more like an older person coming alongside, caretaker, something like that, but I didn't have a better word. And so our second uh, set of con togetherness is in the people that then Moses asked to come alongside him. It's in the, in the togetherness with these folks that were mentioned in the passage. And uh, the men Moses chose to come alongside him, we're going to call, or I'm going to call them helpers. Uh, for lack of a better term. So capable people who are willing to share the work and do it collaboratively. Mm. Let's see that here. So in, in the same passage, continuing on the next verse. So in Exodus 18 and 25, Moses chose capable men. So the first thing, he surrounded himself with people who were qualified, they were able, and they were willing. He, he chose these capable men from all of Israel, and he made them leaders of the people. So helpers aren't less than him. They're just different roles. So he assigns them a duty, and then he gives them the authority to do that duty. So he says, I'm going to make you a leader of these people, even though I'm the leader of the people. It doesn't sort of like get like that, but rather he says, I'm going to have you come along and help me lead, recognizing we may have different roles, but, but I'm not better than you are per se. He, he makes them officials over thousands and hundreds, fifties and tens, and then they served. And this is the key to a good helper, someone who's willing to serve others, who's willing to not just work or do their job, but to serve. And they served as judges for the people at all times. And so Moses shares his burden and with people that he trusts, and they come alongside him, and they come next to him, and they take part of his burden so that he doesn't have to carry it alone. The difficult cases they brought to Moses. So they had collaboration back and forth. So he, they say, hey, we can't do this one. Can you help us with this? He said, oh, let me pray about it. Let me get back with you. So they come to him. So he's leaning on them. They're leaning back on him. This back and forth relationship. But the simple ones, they just decide for themselves. Moses trusted them to do what they were brought in to do. Trusted that God would guide them as well. And so he relied on them and their judgment. Many years later, King Solomon, he writes this about the success of togetherness with helpers. 
This is a really famous passage in Ecclesiastes where Solomon writes, uh, two are better than one because they're going to have a good return for their labor. Like if one falls down, the other could help them up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if like two lie down together, they're going to keep warm. But, but how do you keep warm if you're just alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Even a, a cord of three strands is not quickly or easily broken. This off-quoted passage speaks to the lesson that the Israelites, and particularly Moses, was learning right at this time, that to navigate life well, to have success in life, it's best to do it as a together. The exact same principle is found in the New Testament as a command to us. In Galatians 6, 2, Paul says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Have helpers who will carry your burdens with you in areas that you would fail normally. You can have success because you have other people who are willing to help you share the load. This this lesson applies to the spiritual realm, but also to our jobs, our families, and among our friends. Having people who will come alongside us. Now maybe maybe it's in maybe it's an emotional difficulty that you're having a, a problem. I'm just not able to do the things that God wants me to do because I have this emotional burden that I can't bear myself. Well, don't bear it yourself. Have people come bear the burden with you. A, bear, a burden shared is a, is a lighter burden. The privilege of having helpers around us to carry the burden, spiritual or material, it's paramount to success in life. You're going to get buried in your own problems, your own issues, your own you know, fight with marriage. I'll just deal it with myself or my internal insecurities. I'll just deal with it myself. You were never meant to just deal with it yourself. That was never how God created you to navigate this planet. He created you to, to be with people, never to be just by yourself handling your situation, handling your problems, handling your business. He created you to share those burdens with other people. But this passage says that if I do so, I'll fulfill the law of Christ. Well, how's that work? Well, Jesus says there's two great commandments. The first is to love God, and the second is to love others as yourself. Being involved in a strong together relationship, we're actually loving that other person and being loved by them. They get to exercise God's command in their life, and I get to exercise God's command in my life to love other people. So it's not just a mantra. It ends up being a reality. See, to carry one of the burden. It's an amazing way to show love towards someone else and to fulfill the law that Christ gave in loving others. Now I'm going to have a really quick side note right here um, about spouses really fast because uh, spouses are our most important helper, those of you that are married or planning to get married. They're, they're the most important uh, person in, in sort of a help relationship if you're married. And so we've got to invest in that relationship. This is the only relationship that's actually meant for a lifetime. See, God commanded you to leave your parents and to cling to your wife. And you know what? He commands your kids to leave you. And so at the end of the day, it's just you. (laughs) You left your parents, your kids left you. It's you and your spouse if you've got one. The Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone, right? I'll, I'll make a helper suitable for him. So our spouse is our ultimate helper. And the ultimate expression of this like lesson found in Moses about shared togetherness and helpers. So I want to encourage you to not neglect, overlook, or minimize the importance of this helper. Each time our empty nesters group has met uh, for the last couple of times, 
every time we've zeroed in on this idea that we need to develop and maintain our bond and our connection to our spouse. And so I, I see them uh, confessing this, but then I also see them living it out. On Halloween, uh, a couple of our older couples, Yuli and Arjun and Charles and so they both like dressed up like in costumes, like and uh, like separate costumes, but they were like matching one another, right? And then I secretly saw them outside, uh, no one was around, and they were like taking selfies together. Like there was like two of them and the other two. And I was like, that, that might be like the cutest junior high thing I've ever seen for people that are probably over 25, twice. Um, and so, like, uh, they have been really intentional about trying to invest in their relationship because they see the important value of it. And I know uh, James and Miyoung, also from the Empty Nesters Club, they spend, like, hours and hours and miles and miles walking together and, and talking together regularly. And they, we, you know, when we hang out with them, they have the same confession. Like, you have got to spend time with this person and invest in this relationship. And I know that it's easy when you're in the busy part of life with like young kids or with starting your career. I know it's really easy to neglect that relationship. And so uh, as your pastor, I want to tell you, stop that. Don't do that. <laughs> Just as clear as Moses, uh, Jethro told Moses, hey, that's not good. <laughs> if, if you are neglecting your relationship for the sake of your kids, that's not good. If you're neglecting your relationship for the sake of your business or your career, that's not good. Stop it. Figure a way out to have either some other people come help you, babysit your kids, you go out on a date, have some people help you in your work or whatever it takes. But don't neglect the relationship because this is, look, you left your parents, your kids are leaving you. That, this is the one that you get if you're in a married relationship. And so I cannot tell you more emphatically that you better not fall into that trap of being too busy to maintain your relationship with your spouse. Uh, free babysitters are available if you need one. Uh, all the empty nesters, we kind of miss kids, you know, but just a little bit, like two, three hours, totally fine, no problem. You try to say six hours, nah, we're not signing up for that, but two, three hours, no problem. Uh, that particular uh, niche of together uh, to be successful relationship is really important, so just key it on that. So anyway, the last area I want to mention about success together is our attitude of together. Because we can work together with a bad attitude, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll work with that person. I'll share my burdens. You can do it with a bad attitude, but that isn't what God wants. He's not interested in reluctant togetherness. So just listen to these next three verses. I'm just going to read them from the New Testament about being together. And I want you to hear what's the flavor of the together that God likes. What's the, what's the sense or what's the style or what's the feel of the together he is interested in you having with those that are around you. So not my words, God's word. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. And Hebrews 10, 24, Let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And in Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Encourage, build, spur to love, good deeds, love, brotherly affection, outdoing in honor. These are the marks or the flavor of success together that God was teaching Moses through Jethro. So we're called to be together in this life with people. And we're going to find the most success 
if we're willing to connect with others, quality folks. So we've got to develop good togetherness. And I think we have to seek out new opportunities for togetherness with people that are right here at this church. I mean, this is a, you got the spiritual part down, you got people who care about you down. Earlier I heard them confess that they love you, you know, so they already, they said that out loud, like, I love God, I love you. So, so you already have like half the battle done. And so perhaps there's some folks here that, that either you can come alongside and help, or you can be helped by, or maybe there's some folks that you need to mentor a little or be mentored by. Don't know. But God wants us to grow together. I know He wants us to share together. I want I know He wants us to care carry one another's burdens so that they are not living this life together. You were never meant to be on this planet alone. And you are not alone. The moment you walk through these doors, you are folks that love you, that care about you, and want to all come alongside you. Would you just stand with me and we're going to worship God as we close today? Just thanking Him. Remember that was part of the together was that Moses and Jethro worshiped together. This is part of our together that we worship together.